Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to 2023. Now, whether you treat this month of January like you're on a mission and you're just going to hit the ground running, or you're still more or less in vacation mode and you're gradually easing into the new year over the next few weeks, I guess that's up to you. I know that this year I'm changing things up a little bit for myself. I'll be taking on some new projects that I've been thinking about over the past few years but never really got around to. And also at the same time, I just want to stress that I'm not going to stray far from the simple but less moving parts approach to online business that I like to talk about on this podcast. Before we get into it today, today's episode is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter. That's my newsletter currently in volume number two starting this month of my monthly newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. think you'll enjoy it. Subscribe if you haven't already. And OneToManySystem.com. That's OneToManySystem.com. This is the home of my newly launched coaching program. The program is designed to help you build a complete marketing and sales system for your business. And this also includes a new conversion-focused website with your own built-in lead generation system. The whole program, everything you need, is available at OneToManySystem.com. Let me tell you a quick story. Several years ago, a friend of mine started a local business. She connected with me and she told me that she wanted to buy a domain name for her business and then get an email address connected to it, but she didn't want to jump in and build a website. And so here in the state of Florida, we have a lot of people that are here for six months out of the year, three months out of the year, four months, and so on, because they have homes in other states up north. And so what they do is they spend their winters here and then maybe they'll spend like May through September up north or just the summer months. It depends on their situation. Some people spend less time here, like I said, maybe three out of 12 months. Some people come here from other countries and they do the same thing. You get the point. So who watches over their homes when they're not in them? And, you know, some people rent their homes out. I understand that. There's a whole lot that goes into that. I used to think that having rental properties would be just a great way to make some income on the side. And then I learned how much goes into all of that. There's a lot that goes into it. But isn't that true with any business? But when it comes to this, watching people's homes, most people leave their homes empty here in this state. And these are homes that when I say empty, meaning they're not in it, their pets aren't there. But these homes are fully furnished. Sometimes there's, well, usually there's at least several sets of clothes left in the closet or shoes or whatever. Um, There's sometimes there's plants in the home. They have a car left in the garage sometimes. Some of them fly down. Some take the train. Some do drive, but they'll have a car up north, a car down here. You, You get the picture. So obviously these aren't people who are struggling. There's a lot of people who bring money from out of state and they come down here to this state. And But here's the point. A lot of things can happen in a negative sense when a house is unoccupied for months and months at a time. So what she decided to do was create a business where she provided house sitting and home management services. Now, I know where I used to live, I lived in this development, this subdivision. There was a lot of condos in it. There are different types of condos, but 
it was the same thing. Probably about 40% of the residents lived here about five months out of the year, and then they lived six months up north. And these are older people, retired people. Sometimes the, their grandchildren were up north, but the winters were just you know, getting a little bit tough for them to handle the older that they got. And so they wanted to have a getaway, and it was cheaper to buy a house if you could afford it, obviously, and then it would be to come down here and rent during the winter months. The rents are really, really expensive. So she decided she was going to create this business. And in other words, for things that come along like hurricanes, she would go to these different homes and make sure that the exterior wasn't damaged, that everything was okay inside. She would make sure that things like power outages didn't affect things like the AC or water leaks or pet infestations. All kinds of things can go wrong in a home that's unoccupied. So having someone to come by once a week and basically all she needed was insurance. And I guess her background, I never really asked her about this. I asked Lori about it because she was a uh, contractor in the state that she came from before she moved down here. She had a contractor's license. What goes into going into a home that's unoccupied and making sure that everything's okay. And so she created this checklist because she had a few friends that were here in Sarasota that were in the same situation. They went back up to New York, a few other places, and they asked, you know, we'll pay you. We'll gladly pay you. Just go and check up on our house once a week and let us know that everything's okay. And so she would do that over the summer months. So I know about this business from kind of going along with her. And if you do it right, I mean, there's a lot of things to check. Everything from you know, around the base of the, the toilets to make sure there's no moisture to the windows and the casings to make sure that no humidity is getting in or no mold is growing to hot water heaters, making sure that they're not leaking. If there's a car in the garage, making sure that either you're going to start it once a week and make sure that the battery doesn't die or you're going to disconnect the battery or you're going to make sure that the tire pressure doesn't go too low. Again, if you're not using a car regularly, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, a lot of things that do go wrong, I should say, and can go wrong. So oftentimes, too, a lot of the condominium associations down here, if you are going to have a prolonged absence, then they require you to have a company check your home regularly to make sure that for a whole bunch of things, mainly it's for insurance purposes. The insurance companies want to make sure that everything's secure, that people aren't breaking into your home and taking things. And so... Yeah, it can be kind of a big deal. Now, um, you know, this this business was a good fit for her because she already lived in a community where many of the people who owned homes there were seasonal residents. And so she decided after a little bit of coaxing that she was going to jump in and do it. And so, you know, if you're in a community where the business is already there, where people are already asking you, hey, do you want to come by and check my house once a week? I'll pay you for it. And, and people are already coming to you. This is one of the reasons why I started a consulting business. Because I had consultants in other fields coming up to me 20 years ago and saying, hey, can I pay you uh, some money for an hour of consultation? And I remember the first time it happened to me, I thought, wow, this I couldn't ask for anything better. When people are coming to you, asking you to do what you do, and you haven't even advertised it yet. So... That was the situation that she was in. Now, in this kind of business, of course, you need experience with home or uh, uh, issues, things that can happen. And you know, I just went down a list of them. 
And then, you know, we live in a state where there's hurricanes and other things can happen. Electricity goes out and that causes some issues when it comes back on. Rodents can gain access to attics. We don't have cellars down here, so we don't have to worry about that. But uh, termites, all kinds of things happen when a place is uninhabited. So she built this business up really, really quickly using only word of mouth and some business cards just in her local area. The pool of prospects were already there. A lot of them liked her because she was a personal person. I know some of you, I mean, a lot of us, we get hired not because just of what we do, but because of who we are. If you take the time and somebody has a problem that you can fix and you ask questions, just the fact that you show interest probably separates you from about 80% of your competitors out there. I don't know if you've noticed this or not in your field. If you work at home and more or less you're isolated from what's going on in the outside world, let me just share this with you because I'm, I've been out there for many years seeing how things work with other client um, subcontractor relationships. And in the area of website development, SEO, online marketing, graphic design, the reputation that we get is really not a good or a solid one in as an industry in general. There's so many fly-by-nights, people that don't return phone calls, don't return emails, don't return text messages, don't do what they say they're going to do. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So if you actually, if you're in one of these fields and you take the time to actually talk to people with the purpose of understanding what they need and understanding, helping them understand how you can help them get there, you can still build a solid, profitable business in, in any of these competitive marketplaces just because of who you're competing against. So she built up her business really quickly. She went right from the uh, to the path of least resistance, the people she already knew. And then after running her business for several years and having her clients refer more clients, it got to the point where she decided this would be a good time to sell the business, take a few years off, and maybe start another business, one that was a little bit less labor intensive. So I learned just by going with Lori and running down the checklist, if you're going to do it right, if you're going to take shortcuts, I'm sure you don't have to spend a lot of time in each home. But if you're going to do it right, especially if it's a big house where there's like an upstairs and a downstairs, and you're going to do it, you're going to spend some time there. Let me just put it that way. So she decided to sell the business to one of her helpers who was working in the business, loved it, was younger than she was, knew everything that she knew, plus maybe some extra things from the mechanical side of things. So he was the perfect candidate to buy her business. But before she sold it to him, she came to me and said, you know, Jim, I really think that he needs a website to be able to grow this business uh, even further. Now, he decided what he was going to do was he would involve his family in it. And so there was a nice structure that was there. And I agreed. I said, at this point, it would be great for this business to have a website. Now, before I continue, let me add a few observations here. First of all, most solopreneurs do the exact opposite of what I've told you in this story when they're starting a new business, especially if they're technical or design-oriented They'll deliberate over things like websites for months on end before getting the word out about whatever it is they're doing. They'll focus on the things that do not directly lead to 
financial transactions between them and their clients and their prospects. Whereas she did the exact opposite. She built, she saw the opportunity, so she pulled the trigger and got the business first. Then, several years later, when the business was already built up, then she decided, okay, let's go ahead and add a website and really complete the picture, and then this business is going to be sold as a complete product to the next owner. Now, I'm not saying that every type of business can follow this pattern. But what I'm saying is the priority of any business should be making money, individual transactions. Without income, you don't have a business, you have an idea, you have a hobby, but it's not a complete healthy business. And what really stood out about her story, the more I thought about it, is that she truly followed a minimalistic approach to making money. She took what she already had. Now, I'm sure she could have went and taken a class and gotten training on, I don't know, maybe other things that would help her as far as um, uh, home repairs, home inspection, licenses, and everything else. No, she didn't do any of that. But I know some people that actually would do that. I know for myself that if you put the two of us side by side when she started the business, she would have blown by me so fast because I too at that point in time was the kind of personality where I tended to overcomplicate things still, especially when you know how to do something. It's I understand that you're not going to build a website quickly if you don't know how to build a website, but she did know somebody who was able to get the job done. I'm going to tell you a little more about the details that went into getting that kind of website built quickly and having it tick all of the boxes of what a website should be doing uh, in 2022. I think that's when we launched it, or was it 2021? I don't even remember now. Maybe it was even before that. The time goes so quickly. But she followed a minimalistic approach, a straight line to making money. Her path to income was a straight line. It wasn't a zigzag. didn't take place in 20 different stages. She got the word out using her local community. She took the path of least resistance, and as it turned out, that's all she needed. She took the obvious route. Instead of adding all these things, she could have had fancy brochures printed up. She could have wasted months going back and forth with the designers and the copywriters and all of that. She told her friends, asked her friend to tell her friends. She reached out on Facebook, and so it went. And now here's what happened when it was time to sell the business and develop a website to hand it over to the new owner. She approached me and asked basically this question. She said, What's the simplest way to build a website for this business that's going to look nice but not cost a lot? So I thought about it carefully, and here was the solution I came up with. Now, if your best friend or a parent or somebody that you were really close to asked you this question, you might answer it maybe a bit differently than you would with somebody that you don't know. But I really want her to get the most return with the with a minimal investment. And so I really had to think it through. And I thought to myself, all right, well, first, we need a solid framework to work with that would require the least amount of customization. In other words, we, what we needed was if we could get something 80% complete out of the box, that would be perfect. Right, as far as a website goes. 
And I was, I'm going to explain to you the details and why I was thinking that way. Next, we needed a finished product that would get a great score on mobile, Google PageSpeed Insights. Next, we needed the copy or the text to manage or complement that design. I was thinking there are um, website templates out there that are high-quality designs, high-quality as far as the coding goes, and picking something like that would be so much easier for this particular business's objective than to just go with a custom design. It would be done faster. It would meet the budget. It would We would have no problems with uh, page speed, loading times, none of that. If we got the right design, something that was about 80% there right out of the box. I'm going to go into that in just a minute in a little more detail. But as far as website themes and frameworks and page builders go, remember the objective is not arguing about which is the best, which is the fastest, which one you should be using, but how do we get the site built and build it fast and still have it technically sound? So in this case, I decided to go with Generate Press. You can look that up. It's a WordPress theme and the Generate Press site library. So Generate Press provides us with the framework. They also have generate what's called Generate Blocks now. And then they have a site library. Think about it this way. If you're going to go into a library of templates for the design of your next website, it's kind of like being on a new car lot and you're looking at all the shiny cars that are parked there. You know Which one is the right size for you? Which one's going to be the best fit? Which design attracts you the most? Which has the functionality that you need? So this was the mindset that I approached this with. I looked at Generate Press and the Generate Press site library. Other options along these lines, which would be just as good depending on what you need, might be Astra Theme and the Astra Site Library or the Cadence Theme and the Cadence Site, uh, site Starter Library. Now here's the thing about using a pre-built template. Uh, design for a business website. Most of the time, a minimalistic design works better. Why is this true? Because a great looking design that has a lot of photos will usually require for you to find replacement photos so that it reflects your business brand. And that can be more difficult to do than people realize. So in other words, if on one page of the site there's five images there, and they're really sharp, and as sharp as they are, they're not going to work for your specific business. And so what you find is a photo here and a photo there, and when you actually incorporate those photos into the design, you see that, okay, the lighting is different on the different images, so the eye doesn't flow smoothly from one image to the next all the way down the page. It's more choppy. The overall aesthetic is lost. Now, if you have a set of photos that are all taken by the same photographer with the same style, then it's a lot easier, especially if you're not a designer, to keep that style intact. But again, it's very difficult when you're talking about a photo-heavy website. What is it about the design that you like? If it's just the color scheme, well, that's easy to duplicate. Or I should say easier than the color scheme plus all of these great photos, none of which are going to work specifically for your business type. They're going to have to be replaced. So, for example, if there's this big image of this whole team of people, then there's 20 people in this shot and they're outside and they're at a company picnic and you want to you want to have that same feel on your page about your company the only problem is it's just you or you and your cat or you know you you and your spouse 
you know, you're not going to be able to put the two of you in that same backdrop and have that same feel. You get what I'm saying about that, about keeping something from what you see on the lot to when you bring it home, it looks the same way. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to buying a pre-made design. So we had to find something that was 80% there and that we wouldn't have to replace too many photos. And now the same thing goes with the text. If you pick a design that has a lot of text, but you don't have a comparable amount of text to replace it with, again, the overall design can lose a great deal of its visual impact. And so if you find a great design that you love, and let's say you're not a graphic designer yourself, ask yourself this question. As you're looking at the design, you may ask questions like, can I replace the single sentence under this image, let's call it image number one, with my own single sentence and still have it work? Okay, if the answer is yes, you move on to the next. Can I replace the single sentence that's under image number two with my own single sentence and still have it work? And so on, all the way down from the top of the page to the bottom. Now, sometimes you can do it with three quarters of the sections that you have to work with. Sometimes the section doesn't work at all, and so you delete it or remove it completely. Sometimes that has an effect on the overall feel of the design, sometimes not. And so that was how we decided that would be the best way to work through it. Find a design that was simple, that would be easy for us to replace our text with the dummy text and still have it more or less the same. In other words, where there was an, an uh, heading and there was five bullet points, then we wanted to make sure that we could have, well, hopefully five, but maybe three or maybe seven. You get where I'm coming from? We wanted to make sure that we could fill that in. And so she wrote the content page by page, saved it in a file, sent it to me one page at a time. I replaced the content starting at the top of the page, working all the way down. We did that for all of the pages until the site was complete. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most difficult, 2 or 1 being the easiest, I would say the job at the end was... Probably, <clears throat> excuse me, probably a one and a half or two as far as difficulty. It was very easy. I would say that we only had trouble in one section where you're trying to word something or get the wording to sound right. And it was just to keep that continuity there in the design that was already there. And I, I would say that was about it. We had uh, a place for three uh, workers and he had... I think four workers, so we had to duplicate one and make and kind of adjust it a little bit. But yeah, it all worked. Now, you can apply this principle to an existing business that you're trying to improve or even a new side hustle that you may be thinking about starting up. Now, a lot of us have taken the last, I don't know, three or four weeks of December, depending on how busy you were or how busy you weren't, and you were thinking about all of the possibilities, as people always do, as they close out one year and they get ready to start another. And when we look at things like online and um, online business, I look at it kind of like an investor would, things that would be in a portfolio. So you take an investor portfolio, and most investors would suggest a little bit of diversification. In other words, you don't put all your eggs in one basket because if the basket falls, you know that old story. So... 
Online businesses can be like that. Yes, you have one business, maybe you have one business entity, so LLC, corporation, sole proprietorship, whatever, whatever way you have it structured. You have your one bank account, but every now and then you think, I wonder if I can make money online doing this or doing that. And so people come to view websites when you've been in business online for a while you kind of look at each website like an investment portfolio and you have all these little investments going on. Now, one of them may be bringing in 90% of all your income and maybe you have a few others that bring in that remaining 10%. But your skills today that you're using to build something online, they could be used in so many different ways and all of these activities are still taking place online. So for example, in the past, people would write books around their area of expertise they wouldn't go on TV and start a show about it. They would write a book. Most people would. Or maybe they would write a magazine article or something. But today, that same individual can write books. They can publish blogs. They can start a video channel, record videos. They can make courses. They can do all of these things. They have all of these outlets for the exact same knowledge that they have, for the exact same skills. They can make income from all of the above. Now, sometimes they focus on one thing, which I recommend for a season, and then they decide whether or not they're going to stay with it or they're going to move on. So if you're not happy with what you're doing, there's most likely a very fast way that you can get something else started on the side, something that you could grow. You know, a lot of people call this a side hustle. There's a way you could do this without having to invest the next six to eight months of your, of your life just getting the thing off the ground. So let's look at how we could conceivably launch a new online income source or side hustle very easily within the next 30 days. Number one, you decide what it is you're going to sell or what you're going to promote. Maybe something simple like a basic service or a new ebook that you've written. It could be anything. I'm guessing you already have a business account if you've been in business before. So you're going to use that for your new thing. You're not going to get a new business account. That doesn't make sense. I'm guessing you already have a way to receive payment like a Stripe or a PayPal set up, so you're going to use that. Now, let's talk about where the rubber really meets the road, and that's the message that you're going to project on this new site. Imagine that you're a lawyer and you're going to make a closing argument in front of a jury. You're going to convince them that your product or your service or whatever it is is the best choice for them, not your competitors. Open a file and write out a brief argument for you and against the other options. After you do that, decide on what your call to action is going to be. Maybe it's going to be just click the buy button. Maybe you want them to call you on the phone if it's something that requires a conversation. Don't ask for a conversation if, unless one's required. Or maybe it's going to be to download a PDF. You know, people have been doing that for years. The only thing I don't like about that sometimes is that sometimes people forget what they even download and they never read it. Now hear me out. Once you have this argument written out or sketched out, nothing beats creating a video where you verbally make the argument you just wrote down in that previous step. And even if you're too shy to appear on camera, you can talk over PowerPoint slides or Keynote slides or Google slides. Remember, I'm talking to you right now. I'm making an argument for you doing this. I'm kind of in the middle of my closing because we're getting near the end of this podcast. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see the logic behind doing it this way? Because even if you can't talk on camera, you can always talk over slides. And even if you don't know how to create slides, you can pay someone a nominal fee to do it on Fiverr or Upwork because we're only talking about maybe a five-minute video. That's all you need. You're going to keep it very, very simple. 
And this video inserted on your page of whatever template you choose can give you an advantage that text alone cannot. Now down the road, you can add all kinds of text and pictures and testimonials and all of that. But let me tell you something, to get started, you don't need any of that. The most important thing is that you're up and running and capable of selling within 30 days and it's very doable. And here's the thing, I know some of you have so many ideas and you're thinking, gosh, I wish I just had more time. Well, if you follow this simple approach that I'm teaching you right now, today, then you can do this over and over and over again. Literally, you could clone the site, change out the text in the video, and then have two new income sources available within the next 60 days. The truth is, you can repeat this process several times and in the process, be changing the future trajectory of your business for the better. You just never know unless you try, right? I know most of the old timers, they say they regret the things they didn't try. In the online world, we have an advantage because we can experiment with many different things in our lifetime that would require several lifetimes and a whole lot of money to do the equivalent of in the offline world. Do I have any side hustles or projects that I want to start in the new year? Absolutely. Listen, I love what I do. I'm thankful for everything that I have online. But I've never stopped dreaming and have never stopped believing that the very best is yet to come. And I hope there's something within you that feels the same way. All right, that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. You can find back episodes there as well. Thank you again for listening. Again, happy 2023. Let's look forward to something bigger, something better this upcoming year. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you later.